In the bustling naval city of Portsmouth, England, the year is 1983. The city, known for its rich maritime history, was a hub of activity, and the local police station was no exception. Portsmouth Police Station, situated near the historic dockyard, was not just a modern law enforcement hub, but also a landmark steeped in the city's rich history. The station had stood for decades, witnessing the ebb and flow of Portsmouth's evolution from a strategic naval base to a bustling civilian city. Its walls, if they could speak, would tell countless tales of the city's past, from the days of naval supremacy to the times of wartime resilience. The station's proximity to the historic dockyard made it an integral part of the local community. It had seen generations of sailors and dock workers, heard stories of the high seas, and dealt with the unique challenges that came with being in a naval city. The dockyard, a site of great historical significance, was home to some of the Royal Navy's most famous ships, including HMS Victory and HMS Warrior. This proximity to naval heritage imbued the station with a sense of duty that went beyond ordinary policing. It was not just a place for upholding law and order, it was a custodian of the city's history. Over the years, the station had dealt with everything from espionage during war times to the post-war challenges of a city rebuilding itself. Its officers had seen the transformation of Portsmouth from a predominantly military town to a thriving commercial and tourist hub. Despite the changing times, the station remained a constant, a familiar sight for locals who would come in to report minor thefts, domestic disputes, or the occasional brawl that spilled over from one of the city's many pubs. The station's role extended beyond traditional policing. It was a community centre, a place where local issues were discussed and solutions were sought. Officers at the station were not just enforcers of the law, but part of the community fabric, involved in local events and initiatives. They were familiar faces in the neighbourhood, known not just for their uniform, but for their community spirit. As the city grew and modernised, so did the police station. It adapted to new challenges, embraced technological advancements, and expanded its services. However, despite these changes, the essence of the Portsmouth police station remained the same, a pillar of strength and stability in a city that had seen its fair share of turmoil and triumph. It was against this backdrop of history and community service that the extraordinary events of May 1983 took place, adding yet another intriguing chapter to the station's long and storied history. It was a typical overcast day, the kind that often hovered over the city. When a man entered the police station, the man had an appearance that was both striking and enigmatic. He seemed to be in his mid-thirties, although this estimate was somewhat obscured by the visible signs of hardship etched into his features. His beard was unkempt and overgrown, lending him a disheveled look that suggested a prolonged period of neglect or a lifestyle far removed from the conveniences of modern grooming. What truly set him apart, however, was his attire. He wore a jacket and trousers that appeared well-worn, with frayed edges and a faded patina that spoke of long use and little care. The garments bore no recognisable brand or label, which in itself was unusual in an era increasingly defined by commercial fashion. The colours of his clothes were muted, washed out to a palette that seemed dulled by time and elements, and the fabric was adorned with a subtle, intricate pattern. This pattern was unlike anything familiar to the 1980s fashion scene. It had an almost historical or foreign aspect to it, as if woven from a narrative not belonging to the present day. 
This anomaly in his attire did not go unnoticed by the officers and staff at the station. In Portsmouth, a city where the blend of naval tradition and contemporary urban life was a daily backdrop, the man's presence struck a dissonant chord. His unusual appearance immediately sparked a sense of intrigue among those present. It was clear from the outset that he was not a regular local resident dealing with everyday matters. There was something decidedly out of the ordinary about him, a puzzle that began with his clothes and deepened with his behavior. His eyes wide with a palpable sense of distress only added to the enigmatic aura that surrounded him. When he spoke, his words tumbled out rapidly in a language that was unrecognizable to anyone present. It was not just a foreign language. It was as if the very cadence and structure of his speech belonged to a different linguistic route entirely unknown to the listeners. This further compounded the mystery, making the task of understanding and assisting him all the more challenging for the baffled officers of Portsmouth Police Station. Sergeant Bill Redfern, a seasoned officer with years of experience in dealing with various situations, faced a unique challenge as he tried to communicate with the mysterious man. Redfern, known for his patience and ability to connect with people from all walks of life, found himself at a loss. The man's speech was a cascade of sounds and syllables that defied recognition. He spoke rapidly, with an urgency that suggested he was trying to convey something important, but his words were an indecipherable blend of unfamiliar sounds. Redfern and the other officers in the room were accustomed to encountering a variety of languages and dialects in Portsmouth, a city with a diverse population and a rich naval history bringing in people from around the globe. Yet, the language spoken by the man did not match any they had come across. It wasn't just a matter of not understanding the words. It was as if his speech followed an entirely different set of linguistic rules. The intonation and rhythm of his speech added layers to the mystery. The cadence was erratic, with rises and falls that didn't correspond to the familiar patterns of questioning or emphasis found in most languages. His tone seemed to fluctuate unpredictably, further complicating any attempt at understanding. This peculiar vocal pattern made it impossible to even guess at the man's emotions or intentions, often a fallback for experienced officers when faced with language barriers. Redfern tried various approaches in an attempt to bridge the communication gap. He spoke in simple, clear English, used hand gestures, and even resorted to drawing basic symbols and pictures. However, all these attempts were met with the same perplexed expression from the man. The situation was a conundrum for Redfern. Here was a man who clearly needed help, yet the fundamental tool for providing that help communication was unavailable. The inability to understand the man's language wasn't just a barrier. It was as if they were operating in different realms of comprehension. This linguistic enigma turned what might have been a routine assistance case into an intriguing mystery that puzzled even the most experienced members of the Portsmouth Police Force. Efforts were made to find an interpreter. Calls were made to language experts from the University of Portsmouth and even to nearby naval bases, considering the city's strong military connections. However, every attempt to translate the man's speech was futile. In an effort to glean some information about the unknown man's identity, Sergeant Bill Redfern and his team decided to try a different approach. They presented the man with a pen and paper, gesturing for him to write something down, hoping he might at least be able to write his name or a place of origin. The man seemed to understand the request, or at least the gesture of the pen and paper. 
He took the pen in a hesitant grip, as if unfamiliar with its use, but then began to write. The officers watched with keen interest, but their anticipation quickly turned to further bewilderment. The man's writing was as perplexing as his speech. It consisted of a series of symbols and characters that were completely foreign to the officers. The characters were unlike any script or writing system they were familiar with. They weren't the letters or characters of any known alphabet, not the Latin, Cyrillic, Arabic scripts commonly encountered, nor any of the Asian writing systems. The symbols were curvilinear and complex, with no discernible pattern or repetition that might suggest a conventional language structure. The officers attempted to match the writing with known languages, consulting various sources and even reaching out to experts in linguistics and cryptography. However, every attempt to decipher the script led to a dead end. The symbols did not match any recognized language, ancient or modern. This only deepened the mystery of the man's origins. The inability to decipher his writing added another layer to the enigma surrounding the man. It was a tangible piece of evidence, something concrete in a case that was otherwise filled with intangibles, yet it offered no clarity. The piece of paper with its strange inscriptions became a subject of intrigue within the police station, a symbol of the profound mystery that had walked into their midst on that ordinary day. In a bid to understand at least a part of the man's background, the officers presented him with a world map. The moment the map was unfurled, the man's demeanor shifted dramatically. His previous distress morphed into sheer panic. He pointed to the map, then to himself, shaking his head vigorously, his eyes filled with an unspoken horror. This reaction only deepened the mystery. After witnessing the man's reaction to the world map, Sergeant Bill Redfern realized that they were dealing with a situation far beyond their usual scope of work. The man's shift from distress to outright panic upon seeing the map was alarming, and it prompted Redfern to take immediate action to ensure the man's safety and well-being while trying to unravel the mystery. Firstly, Redfern moved the man to a quieter area of the station, away from the hustle and bustle of the main floor. He recognized that the man was in a state of extreme agitation and understood the importance of creating a calm environment. He arranged for a comfortable seat and a glass of water, hoping to soothe the man's nerves. Meanwhile, Redfern instructed his team to restrict access to the area where the man was being held. He wanted to prevent any additional stress that could be caused by curious onlookers or other detainees. Redfern's primary concern was to ensure the man felt secure and to prevent any further escalation of his panic. In an attempt to glean more information, Redfern revisited the map with a more cautious approach. He pointed to various countries, observing the man's reactions, hoping to find a clue to his origin, or at least a hint of recognition. However, these efforts were met with the same head-shaking and gestures of confusion. Realizing that conventional methods were proving futile, Redfern decided to reach out for external assistance. He contacted local experts, linguists and anthropologists from the University of Portsmouth, and even liaised with the naval base for insights, considering the possibility of the man being a foreign sailor or an individual from a remote community. As these inquiries were being made, Redfern stayed with the man, trying to communicate through non-verbal means, simple gestures, showing pictures from books, and even playing different types of music, hoping to trigger a response that could provide a lead. Given the perplexing nature of the situation and the inability to communicate with the unknown man, Sergeant Bill Redfern began to consider various possibilities to explain the man's behavior and appearance. 
Among these was the hypothesis that the man might be experiencing some form of mental health challenge. This suspicion arose not just from the man's incomprehensible language and indecipherable writing, but also from his overall demeanor and actions. Redfern observed that the man seemed disoriented and confused at times, and his reactions to everyday stimuli were not typical. However, the man did not exhibit any signs of aggression or distress typically associated with severe mental health crises. Instead, there was a consistent aura of bewilderment and detachment about him. Redfern's experience in the police force had acquainted him with a range of behaviors associated with various mental health conditions, and he was aware that some conditions could manifest in ways that might seem unusual or incomprehensible to an observer. He considered the possibility of a dissociative disorder or some other condition that might affect the man's ability to communicate or relate to his surroundings in a typical way. The police station, usually a place of order and procedure, was abuzz with theories and speculations. Was he a lost traveler from a remote part of the world, a victim of a crime that left him disoriented and far from home? Some even whispered about time travel or extraterrestrial origins, given the bizarre circumstances. The case of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station quickly captured the imagination of both the local and national public. The enigmatic nature of the incident, coupled with the inability of the police to identify the man or his language, made for a compelling story that resonated far beyond the city of Portsmouth. Local newspapers were the first to report on the incident, with headlines like Mystery Man Baffles Portsmouth Police and The Language That No One Speaks appearing on front pages. These articles detailed the bewildering circumstances of the man's arrival at the police station, his incomprehensible language, and the baffled reactions of the police officers. The story was rich with speculation and intrigue, sparking a wave of interest among the local populace. People in Portsmouth and surrounding areas were fascinated by the idea that such a mystery could unfold in their own city. The story soon caught the attention of national news outlets, Television channels and major newspapers picked up the story, expanding its reach across the country. The narrative now included interviews with linguistic experts, historians, and even psychologists, each offering their theories on the man's origins and condition. Some speculated about undiscovered tribes, while others pondered the possibility of a psychological condition that made him believe he was from another time or place. The more sensationalist media even floated theories of time travel, or extraterrestrial involvement, adding a layer of science fiction to the unfolding drama that Redfern found unhelpful. As the story gained traction nationally, it began to attract the attention of various experts and academics who were intrigued by the linguistic and anthropological aspects of the case. Linguists expressed interest in studying the man's speech and writings, seeing it as a potential opportunity to discover a new language or dialect. Anthropologists and historians delved into historical records, trying to match the man's clothing and physical features to specific time periods or regions. The public's fascination with the story was not just due to its mysterious nature, but also because it tapped into the universal human intrigue with the unknown and the unexplained. However, amidst this whirlwind of media attention and public speculation, the Portsmouth Police, led by Sergeant Redfern, remained focused on the task at hand. Their primary goal was to identify the man and ensure his well-being, navigating the challenging situation with a mix of professional duty and genuine concern for the mysterious individual who had unwittingly become the center of a national enigma.
As the story of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station continued to grip the nation, an unexpected development occurred that added another layer of intrigue to the already baffling case. A woman came forward, claiming that the man was her husband, who had supposedly died several years earlier. The woman, named Elizabeth Harper, was a middle-aged resident of a small village near Portsmouth. She approached the police a few days after the story had hit the national headlines, her demeanor marked by a mix of hope and disbelief. Elizabeth explained that her husband, James Harper, had gone missing at sea seven years ago. He was a fisherman by trade, a man deeply familiar with the waters around Portsmouth. His boat had been found adrift, but there was no trace of him, leading to the conclusion that he had been lost at sea. When Elizabeth saw the images of the unknown man in the media, she was struck by an uncanny resemblance to James. Despite the passage of time and the unkempt appearance of the man, she recognized familiar features, the curve of his jaw, the shape of his eyes, even a small scar on his forehead that James had acquired in his youth. Her claim added a new dimension to the mystery. The police were initially skeptical, considering the improbability of the situation. However, they couldn't dismiss Elizabeth's story outright, given the lack of any concrete information about the man's identity. Sergeant Redfern met with Elizabeth, listening to her story, understanding her reasons for believing the unknown man was her husband. He noted her emotional state, torn between the grief she'd carried for years and the glimmer of hope that her husband might still be alive. Redfern arranged for Elizabeth to meet the man. The encounter was handled sensitively, considering the potential emotional impact on both parties. Elizabeth was accompanied by a police officer and a counsellor, preparing her for any outcome. However, when Elizabeth finally saw the man, her initial conviction wavered. There was a resemblance. Up close, there were differences too. Subtle, yet significant enough to sow doubt. The man showed no sign of recognition, his reaction to Elizabeth no different from his reaction to the others he had encountered since his arrival at the station. The meeting raised more questions than answers. Elizabeth left the station heartbroken, her brief spark of hope extinguished. The police were left to ponder yet another dead end in the case. The possibility that the man might have been James Harper seemed increasingly unlikely, and the mystery of the man's identity remained as impenetrable as ever. Elizabeth's story although a poignant chapter in the unfolding drama, ultimately led the investigation no closer to a resolution. As the story of the unknown man continued to captivate the nation, several other individuals came forward claiming to have some connection to him. Each account added to the tapestry of theories and speculations surrounding the case, but ultimately, none led to a definitive identification of the man, a linguistics professor from Liverpool University was convinced that the man's language bore similarities to an ancient dialect she had studied. She theorized that he might belong to a remote community where the dialect had survived. Excited by this prospect, she spent hours with the man, trying to communicate. Unfortunately, her efforts were in vain, as there were no consistent correlations between the man's speech and the dialect in question. A woman came forward claiming that the man was her former neighbor, who had disappeared under mysterious circumstances years ago. She recounted details about his life and their interactions. However, when the police investigated her claims, it turned out that the man she described bore only a superficial resemblance to the unknown man and had been accounted for elsewhere. A retired naval officer suggested that the man might be a sailor from a foreign navy, 
citing the city's extensive naval history and the possibility of undocumented visits by foreign ships. This theory led to a brief investigation into naval records and inquiries with various embassies, but no credible connections were found. In each of these cases, the police followed up diligently, hoping for a breakthrough. Sergeant Redfern and his team interviewed each individual, cross-referencing their stories with known facts and investigating any new leads. Despite these efforts, every new claim eventually led to a dead end. The true identity of the man remained as elusive as ever, deepening the enigma that shrouded his presence in Portsmouth. As the days turned into weeks following the appearance of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station, small but intriguing pieces of information emerged that hinted at his possible origins, though none provided a definitive answer. Further analysis of the recordings of the man's speech by linguists revealed some consistent patterns. These patterns didn't match any known language, but they did suggest a structured form of communication. This discovery fueled theories that he might be from an isolated community with an undocumented language, although no concrete evidence was found to support this. This also didn't tie in with his modern attire and familiarity with modern technology. In line with the medical and scientific capabilities of the early 1980s, the man underwent a thorough medical examination, albeit limited by the technological constraints of the time. The examination included standard blood tests and health screenings, focusing on identifying any known medical conditions or physiological anomalies. While DNA testing was on the horizon of scientific advancement, with its first notable use in a criminal case not occurring until 1986, it was not yet a tool available for such an investigation. Therefore, the medical team could not conduct a detailed genetic analysis to reveal any DNA anomalies or speculate about the man's lineage. Instead, the mystery surrounding his identity and origins remained, fueled by the lack of conclusive medical or scientific evidence. The absence of definitive answers from the medical examination only added to the intrigue, leaving room for speculation and theories about his possible background based solely on observational and circumstantial evidence. Despite these tantalizing clues, the man's true identity and origins remained shrouded in mystery. Each new piece of information seemed to open more questions than it answered, painting a picture of a man who belonged to no known place or time. The case continued to be a source of fascination and speculation, not just for the people of Portsmouth, but for a wider audience captivated by the enigma of the man who walked into a police station one overcast day and turned into a modern-day mystery. Understanding the unique and delicate situation of the unknown man, Sergeant Bill Redfern took the compassionate decision to arrange for more comfortable accommodations for him within the Portsmouth Police Station. Redfern recognized that it was neither fair nor appropriate to keep the man in a standard holding cell, given his apparent disorientation and the lack of any criminal behavior. With the man's origins and identity still a mystery, and considering the communication barriers, Redfern deemed it unsuitable to send him to a hotel or similar establishment. He was concerned about the man's ability to care for himself in an unfamiliar environment and the potential for further distress or misunderstanding. To address this, Redfern arranged for a small, unused office space within the station to be converted into a temporary living area for the man. A comfortable bed was brought in, along with basic furniture like a chair and a small table. Efforts were made to ensure the space was welcoming and safe, providing a semblance of privacy and comfort. Redfern also made sure that the man had access to food and water 
and that his basic needs were met. Officers were instructed to check in on him regularly, not just for his safety, but also to try and establish some form of communication and rapport. This arrangement was a reflection of Redfern's empathy and his commitment to the duty of care expected of the police. It was an unconventional solution, one that went beyond the typical procedures of law enforcement, but it was deemed necessary under the extraordinary circumstances. Redfern's decision was also a testament to the human side of policing, showing a willingness to adapt and respond to a situation that defied normal protocols. During his stay at the Portsmouth Police Station, the unknown man, accommodated in the makeshift living space, became a quiet presence within the station's daily routine. Over the weeks, officers and staff grew accustomed to his silent figure, often seen sitting calmly in his room or occasionally wandering the corridors under supervision. The station had become a temporary sanctuary for him, a place where he was safe and cared for, even as his identity and story remained shrouded in mystery. Sergeant Redfern and his team continued their efforts to communicate with the man, trying various methods and seeking help from different experts, but with little success. Despite the language barrier, the officers ensured that he was comfortable, providing him with meals, clothing and basic necessities. The man, for his part, showed no signs of distress during his stay, accepting the care with a quiet, almost resigned demeanor. However, the mystery surrounding the man deepened in a most unexpected and baffling way. One morning, just as suddenly and inexplicably as he had arrived, the man vanished from the police station. He was last seen by an officer the night before, seemingly secure in his room. The next morning, his room was found empty, with no indication of how he left or where he had gone. The police station, being a secure facility, had limited entry and exit points, all under observation. It was puzzling how the man could have left without being noticed. Importantly, the technology of the 1980s did not include the advanced surveillance systems of today. While the station had some CCTV cameras, these were limited in coverage and did not provide the comprehensive monitoring expected in modern times. The footage from the available cameras showed no signs of the man's departure, nor any unusual activity around the time he was believed to have disappeared. The officers conducted a thorough search of the station and the surrounding area, but there were no signs of a breakout, no clues as to his whereabouts. It was as if he had simply vanished into thin air. The local police, already perplexed by the man's initial appearance and inability to communicate, were now faced with the additional mystery of his disappearance. This sudden turn of events only added to the enigma surrounding the unknown man. Theories and speculations abounded, both within the police force and in the media. Some wondered if he had been a figment of collective imagination, while others speculated about supernatural explanations, given the lack of any logical or physical evidence to explain his disappearance. The unresolved case of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station grew into something more than just an unsolved police file. It became part of the city's law, a tale shrouded in mystery and speculation. As the years went by, the story was recounted countless times, not just within the walls of the police station, but throughout Portsmouth and beyond. It became a topic of discussion in local pubs, a subject of academic curiosity, and a muse for writers and storytellers. Despite the passage of time, no new information surfaced about the man. Linguistic experts and historians, who had initially shown great interest in the case, 
were ultimately unable to link the man's language or script to any known dialect or writing system. Their initial theories and excitement gave way to resignation as the trail went cold. The man's identity and origin remained as elusive as the day he walked into the police station. In the police station, the case became a sort of initiation story for new recruits, a reminder of the unpredictable nature of police work. Sergeant Bill Redfern, who had been at the forefront of the case, often reflected on it in his later years. To him, it was a humbling reminder of the limits of understanding and the mysteries that can lie at the heart of ordinary life. As the 20th century gave way to the 21st, the story of the unknown man became part of Portsmouth's urban legends. It was a tale that seemed to belong both to the past and to the present, a narrative that continued to spark curiosity and debate. Theories about time travel, interdimensional shifts, and unknown civilizations were discussed alongside more mundane explanations of mental health issues or an elaborate hoax. Yet, none of these theories could ever be substantiated. The case of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station remains to this day one of the most baffling unsolved mysteries in the annals of the city's history. It stands as a testament to the unexplained and unknown aspects of human experience. The story, with its blend of ordinary settings and extraordinary occurrences, continues to captivate those who hear it. A tantalizing mystery that blurs the lines between reality and the realms of the unknown, and a reminder that sometimes the most ordinary places can be the stage for the most inexplicable events. Years after the case of the unknown man at Portsmouth Police Station had seemingly faded into unresolved history, a curious twist emerged, reigniting the intrigue for the now-retired Sergeant Bill Redfern. One autumn morning, a letter arrived, its origins obscure, bearing handwriting Redfern didn't recognize. Given the numerous claims and theories he had encountered over the years, many of which led to dead ends, Redfern approached the letter with a mix of skepticism and curiosity. The letter was cryptic, authored by someone who chose to remain anonymous. It spoke of an individual, referred to as Dr. Edward Langley, a linguist and cryptographer who had allegedly been engrossed in a secret project concerning ancient languages and cryptology in the 1980s. This Dr. Langley, the letter claimed, had developed an obsession with a lost language, a pursuit that had eventually led to a mental breakdown. The author suggested that Langley's breakdown had caused him to believe he was a reincarnation from an ancient civilization, leading him to communicate only in a language of his own creation. This, the letter implied, could explain the unknown man's incomprehensible speech. The suggestion was that perhaps the man at the station had been Langley in a state of profound delusion. Redfern, who had seen many false leads and unfounded claims over the years, was initially hesitant to give credence to the story. However, the specific details about Langley's research and the possible connection to the case piqued his interest. With a cautious approach, Redfern attempted to validate the story. He reached out to former colleagues and contacts in academic circles, seeking any record of a Dr. Edward Langley and his research. But as had happened so often in this case, the trail led nowhere. There were no academic records or colleagues who could confirm the existence of Langley or his work, the lack of any corroborating evidence left Redfern with more questions than answers. The letter, while intriguing, failed to provide the closure that Redfern had hoped for. Instead, it added another layer of ambiguity to a case already shrouded in mystery. 
the identity and story of the man who walked into Portsmouth Police Station remained an enigma, a narrative punctuated by maybes and what-ifs, continuing to haunt Redfern even in his retirement. The truth about the mysterious visitor, like so many details of the case, remained elusive, lost in the shadows of unverified claims and unsolved mysteries.